On Auschwitz. The history of Auschwitz is exceptionally complex. It combined two functions, a concentration camp and extermination center. Nazi Germany persecuted various groups of people there and the camp complex was continually expanded and transformed. In the podcast on Auschwitz, we discuss the details of the history of the camp, as well as our contemporary memory of this important and special place. Slightly over 8,000 assessments served in the Auschwitz camp during its entire existence. Dr. Piotr Setkiewicz, the head of the Memorial Research Center, talks about the SS garrison as well as the structure of the administration of the camp. What was the difference between the SS garrison in Auschwitz from the SS garrisons in other concentration camps? Well, Auschwitz concentration camp was simply many times bigger than old camps in, in Germany including such ones like Dachau, Sachsenhausen and, and others. Therefore, the number of officers was smaller and uh, in many cases they were unable to supervise uh, the non-commissioned officers, the privates properly as it was usually done in, in the old camps in, in, in Germany. Moreover, Auschwitz was a new camp in the Nazi system and as usual, in such situations when a certain institution is about to open a new branch somewhere, the leadership of institution of the company had to transfer a certain number of old experienced workers from old parts of, of the conglomerate to the new one. And in such situations, the directors of uh, the old branches of, of the company they usually transferring the people who are troublesome, who are not skilled enough to work properly and, and so on. If we remember the complaints uh, by Rudolf Huss about the moral standard and usefulness of, of the transferred officers to Auschwitz, that seems to be quite reasonable that uh, these people represented certain lower moral standards than other guards in old concentration camps in, in Germany. How many SS men in total served in Auschwitz? And of course we need to remember that these numbers in a given time changing because the camp develops. At the beginning, in the fall of 1940, approximately 340 guards were in Auschwitz. They formed only one guard company. But uh, of course, uh, in, in the course of time, the number grew to approximately 2,200 at the beginning of 1942 and uh, to over 4,000 guards in the eve of the final evacuation of the camp in, in January 1945. Interestingly, that was practically the same number as an average count of German infantry divisions at this time. So we may say that entire division of soldiers was moved to Auschwitz to guard the prisoners to work here. If we assume those as men who were transferred from Auschwitz to other places, to other concentration camps, some of them they were released because of, of, of the health, or many of the guards in Auschwitz were transferred to the combat units of the Waffen-SS fighting on the front line. So altogether, we were able to estimate that more than 8,000 SS men were in Auschwitz, sometimes for an entire period of operation of the camp, but sometimes only for a couple of months as a replacement, for example. 
So that was a large number of uh, people who were engaged in the operation of Auschwitz who had a contact with the prisoners of the concentration camp here. Analyzing the situation, the number of SS guards mm -hmm. was relatively low when we look at the number of prisoners. And the question that sometimes is asked is, did the prisoners try to use their advantage in numbers to, for example, escape uh, from the camp, to do something using the outnumbering of the SS guards? Was it even possible? Because it's not only the guards, but the whole security system around uh, the camp and around the groups of prisoners who are working outside. Consider the number of prisoners, of course, to be very high. Nevertheless, uh, it's necessary to remember that they were separated in many uh, sectors of Auschwitz in isolated groups. Uh, the prisoners in Auschwitz were practically placed about two kilometers from the, the, the camp in Birkenau. And inside Birkenau, the camp itself was divided into a number of compounds or sectors I don't think that it would be possible uh, any sort of the common action between the prisoners of at least two major parts of the Auschwitz concentration camp. But uh, perhaps more important, the guards had the weapons, uh, they had rifles, machine guns, machine pistols, grenades, and in any such an attempt of massive rebellion or, or escape, so the prisoners confronted with the armed garrison practically had no chances at all. I presume that one platoon of SS guards were able to cope with any sort of larger attempts to mass escape and something like this happened, for example, in October 1944 during the rebellion of, of, of Zondekommando. So a relatively small number of guards were able to prevent prisoners from escaping and, and then shot at all the opponents. So that uh, was simply impossible. I think that uh, despite of plans uh, that existed among the resistance organizations in Auschwitz, including this one led by Captain Pilecki or uh, later on the organization that uh, was organized around the Polish uh, Socialist Party and the leftist political groups, could be taken into account only in the case of mass liquidation of prisoners before entering the Soviet troops. Uh, but in, even in this case, such an attempt uh, seems to be desperate and had uh, the prisoners practically had no chances for any success in, in the confrontation with, with well-armed um, as garrison. Of course, some people claim that the guards were armed with uh, outdated uh, kind of weaponry like old-styled Mauser rifles or certain kind of machine guns that were sized by the German army in certain European countries like Yugoslavia. The concentration camp had a number of Yugoslav guns or Soviet machine guns and it was in 1944 the garrison received a number of Danish rifles which had a unusual caliber of 8 millimeters with a very limited amount of, of ammunition. Nevertheless, again, if we consider the defenseless prisons practically and the well-armed soldiers of SS garrison in Auschwitz and a sort of open fight would uh, eventually end up in, in massacre. Except the SS guards, so guards who are responsible for securing the perimeter of the camp, securing the commandos of prisoners that are working outside or standing on the system of watchtowers around the camps and in the wider perimeter. We have also the SS men who are dealing with administration of the camp. So 
what was their duties and what's the division when we talk about the whole administrative system of a concentration camp? From among all the guards of Auschwitz, approximately 75 to 80% were organized inside the structures of a sentry battalion that was divided into the number of sentry companies and so on. So these were the people who were guarding prisoners on everyday basis. They were taking the posts on the watchtowers or it formed external chain of posts of guards. But apart from them, that was also a relatively high number of SS men who were engaged in doing some administrative duties. They constituted the so-called commandantur and the headquarters of the garrison, and they were divided into a number of divisions or Abteilungen. They usually worked uh, in the offices uh, with the working hours between 7 a.m. up to 4 p.m. So they usually had uh, limited contact with uh, the prisoners of the concentration camp, but practically they had to be ready when it was necessary to use them as armed force. So they composed the so-called Stabskompanien, headquarters company, and uh, from time to time they were being taken to Reiskos when they had to perform a number of basic military training. So they were taken into account as a potential force in the case of possible prisoners' rebellion. Usually they did their job in, uh, in the offices, um, particularly there was the case of the Abteilung number one, that uh, was the commandant's office. It includes assessment who did the jobs for the commander of the camp. It was an adjutant of the commander, the drivers of the tracks that served for the entire garrison. There were women and assessment who worked as radio operators and, and so on. The more important was the division number two, the politische Abteilung, political division. And in practical terms, these people were the, uh, at the same time uh, assessment and the members of the Gestapo, and therefore they had uh, two kinds of ranks. One of them, of course, according to the SS system, but also the police. They were responsible for performing many duties, like, for example, they had to be present on the ramp at the moment of arrival of the transport. Each time they had to confirm the fact that so-and-so prisoners were uh, delivered to the concentration camp to sign a certain uh, form of confirmation for the leader of escort. Then they had to be present during the executions in Auschwitz, usually under the black wall on the yard of, of the block number 11. Then they were also the administration of crematoria, probably because that was a certain office, including the political abteilung that was responsible for issuing the death certificates. So, these were the administrative duties, but the most important one was for the SS men from political division was to combat the resistance inside the concentration camp. So that resulted, of course, in making a network of spies among the prisoners, the constant examination of those suspected for participating in such any form of resistance and so on. Of course, these interrogations were based on tortures, very cruel. So prisoners were usually very afraid of the SS men who belonged to the department number two. Department number three was composed of the, mostly of the Blockführers, the SS NCOs responsible for the discipline and the order in the blocks. Every single block theoretically should have its own Blockführer. They uh, had to know how many prisoners were in the block, 
and each time during the roll calls they had to report the number of presents from their block to the report officer who belonged to the structure of the department number three uh, as well. His duty was to report the number of prisoners to the commandant of the camp or his deputy. That was the most important for the commander of Auschwitz. Practically nobody cared about the number of deaths in the camp. But if somebody, if the prisoner escaped from Auschwitz, in this way the commander of, uh, of the concentration camp may have some, some problems, some troubles. Another department, 3A, these were the SS men who were busy with employment of prisoners. They distributed those who had certain practical skills among different commandos. They were also responsible for the, all the paperwork connected with the hiring the prisoners to the private companies and so on. Uh, department number four, these were SS men who were responsible for purchasing the things that were necessary for everyday activity of the garrison, including food for the kitchens, for example, also for equipment of the SS troops as uh, uniforms, as, as uh, ammunition, for example. One may say that the, this sort of activity was rather far from the very purpose of, of the concentration camp, namely the mass killing of people. But if we analyze the documents from the department number four, we can find there are some hints about, for example, the deliveries of the Cyclone B that also belong to the scope of responsibility of, uh, of assessment from this department. A certain subunit inside the structures of the department was responsible for counting and registering of all these items that were sized from the luggage of the victims. So, also, in many cases, the SS men from this department had contact with prisoners and influenced somehow the, the mass murder in, in, in Birkenau. Very important was department number five, the medical staff, which was composed of doctors. Some of them worked in the SS hospital. The others take care on, on the hospital uh, inside the concentration camp. Practically all the members of this department were responsible for mass selections on the ramp including Dr. Josef Mengele, but he was not the only doctor who did the selections. When it was necessary, all members of this department, including sanitarians, including the head of, of the drugstore, were involved in making the selections on the ramp. Department number six practically was composed of only a few non-commissioned officers and uh, they were responsible for uh, organization of the free time for, for the SS men, including ideological training, lectures, but also they um, invited the orchestras from Katowice or the Bohemia. They were also for organization of a sports competition, the trips of the SS men to the SS resort in Mid Dobrodje. So that was the, the, the way how the commander of, of, of Auschwitz uh, uh, wished to control the SS men even on their free time. Inside the garrison, there was also a number of subunits or departments responsible to the commander of Auschwitz as head of, of, of the garrison. But they had certain scope of independence from the official structure of the concentration camp. And it was, for example, the construction department, the central construction administration of the camp. That was, for example, the Hygienic Institute in Raisko, some SS companies that uh, operated inside areas of the concentration camp and so on. This entire structure was a little bit complicated, nevertheless, who still have the power over all the members of the SS 
not only as a commander of concentration camp, but also as a commander of the garrison. When we talk about the responsibility of the SS men, of course, we could find some parts of the administration that were far more involved in the terror system, like the political department, like some of the guards who are constantly forcing prisoners to work harder and so on. But when we look at the whole structure, the responsibility for the crime is shared because someone had to deliver the trucks to get the people from the Alte Judenrampe, for example, to the gas chambers, and this will be the commandant's office. There are telegraphists there in the office that get all this information that is spread later. The political department is signing the transport confirmation and administer the crematoria. People who become prisoners are taken over by the Department 3. Administration purchase Cyclone B. Doctors participate in selection. These all people are ideologically trained so that they believe in this ideology. So I think when we talk about responsibility for the crime, it is a much more universal issue and we should include every member of the SS who is in the camp because each of them had a little share of the guilt. Yeah, definitely, you're right. And, uh, but in practical terms, that aroused some problems with interpretation of the deeds of the SS men in Auschwitz and, and their responsibility for the crime part, direct or indirect participation in, in the crimes committed in the camp. And even for the, the SS men themselves, who are involved somehow, that might have been the way to find excuse for their own uh, role that, that they played in, in, in Auschwitz. Uh, if we consider those SS men who personally committed uh, crimes, so who killed the man in Auschwitz, the number seems to be relatively low. That include, of course, the members of the so-called sanitarians who were trained in operating with gas cyclone B, who were opening the vents on, on the roofs of the gas chambers and they released crystals of cyclone inside the gas chambers. So, of course, they were guilty. Direct result of their work that they did was the death of a prisoner. We should also include into this category those um, SS men from the chains of guards, or those SS men who were guarding prisoners on their working places, who simply beat them to the death, or they opened fire to those who attempted to escape. So that was, again, the people whose deeds resulted uh, directly in, into the death of, of the prisoners. Also doctors, uh, physicians, whose decision resulted in, on the ramp, for example. Uh, on immediate death of the prisoners in, in the gas chambers. Of course, those sanctuarians who work in the, the hospitals for prisoners, who administered the death injections with the fetal into the heart of prisoners. So these were assessed men who had direct contact with the mass killing. But if we assume the number of assessed men in the entire garrison, so the number of those who were directly involved seems to be relatively small. However, uh, there's necessary to remember that uh, the concentration camp forms a certain structure. Even if uh, assessed men who stood on, on the external chain of guards and who testified after the war, they had, I had never killed anybody because I do not remember if any uh, prisoner ever tried to escape somewhere around me. And perhaps the testimony was true, but uh, by standing within the, the, the chain of guards, he prevented the prisoners to escape, and uh, uh, in this indirect way he participated in, in efficiency of, of security system and efficiency of, of the camp as such. 
uh, we can find many examples or stories in which uh, many SS men were involved and the story resulted in the eventual death of the prisoners somehow. For example, in a certain SAP camp, a sanitarian, a corporal, selected, let's say, 10 people among the patients because he thought that they were too weak, though in his opinion there was no chance that they would return to work. So he usually did not kill them with his own hand, but he made a phone call to the administration of Auschwitz that there is a need for the transport of these people to the main camp. So somebody in the administration had to give an order that a driver should take a car and go to the subcamp and bring these people back to the main camp. Then, when he did it, uh, these people were being taken to the hospital, murdered by the heart injections, and the numbers of these people would eventually appear in the register of the morgue in Auschwitz. So, in this case, uh, at least four people were involved. And only the last one, this SS man, did a fatal injection of phenyl. But at the beginning of this chain of events, there were some others who, whose decision resulted actually in the death of these prisoners in the hospital. So in many ways, these innocent SS men were actually involved in mass killing, including, as you mentioned, the drivers of tracks. In uh, personal opinions uh, that were issued by the leaders of departments about the behavior of individual assessment, you may find, for instance, in a, a document in which that was described the story of a certain driver of, of a tract who usually was being sent to the subcamps to transfer food, to transport bricks from one place to the other, but he voluntarily agreed to perform special tasks. And uh, as it was stressed in this document, the next morning, despite of these heavy duties, this driver began work again uh, and without complaints, uh, even enthusiastically. So we may see that uh, in many cases, the participation of the SS men in direct crimes against prisoners did not even result from direct orders from their superiors, but because they volunteered to perform this task because they would receive the certain, certain reward in form of the piece of sausage, vodka or cigarettes. You said that altogether there were approximately 8.2 thousand SS men in the garrison throughout the existence of the camp. Do we have enough sources to say something general about the sociological profile of, uh, of this group of men? Nothing unusual, I think. There were ordinary people who were recruited among the different classes, levels of, of the German society before the war. Among the members of the garrison, those assessment who were so-called active ones represented only a small number. They were, they were professionals. Most of them, before the war, joined the, the ranks of the, of the SS. They were the members of the so-called Allgemeine SS, a general SS. So they did their usual jobs, and only on, on, on the weekends they met to, to gather, to pass through a certain form of military training or ideological too, and, and so on. So these were, uh, most cases, were farmers, workers, clerks, uh, representatives of all pos possible professions that, that, they, that existed before the war in Germany, including some opera singers, uh, some musicians, including a man who was a uh, captain of a riverboat. So that uh, there was nothing unusual. Most of them were relatively young, 
if we consider the age. So most of the members of the garrison uh, had 30 or more years old. They were all Germans, that means that had German citizenship, but in the course of time there were more people who were so-called ethnic Germans or Volksdeutsche who were born in other countries like uh, Hungary, like Romania, and including Poland, of course. Those SS men who belonged to the German minority who lived in the western provinces of, of Poland before the war, after the, in the German invasion of, of, of Poland, they accept the German uh, national list. If we can find in some books or in the internet the information that there were some Polish SS men uh, among uh, uh, the members of the garrison in Auschwitz, of course that's not true. We were able to identify even some SS men who were born in the United States, but nobody would say that in Auschwitz there were American SS men. So that was general rule apart from the small group of of Ukrainians who were recruited in Travniki training camp and sent to Auschwitz. Uh, they spent here only a couple of weeks and, and after some of them tried to escape, the company was dissolved and other Ukrainians were sent to the other concentration camps. Where did all the assessment live? Because I presume that there is a number of places, but also some kind of gradation because we have officers, we have NCOs, we have privates, so their living conditions also differed. In many respects, the structure and hierarchy of the Auschwitz concentration camp reflected the certain patterns from the organization of usual military units. So that was a strict division between the privates and non-commissioned officers and, and the officers. So. Privates, for example, were initially quartered in former Polish tobacco monopoly buildings that uh, were situated not far from the concentration camp, just a couple of few hundred meters from, from Auschwitz. And simply the beds were placed inside certain spaces that were divided by the walls. So uh, living conditions were practically comparable with the standard of life of German soldiers before the war in the barracks. The officers and senior and non-commissioned officers received better quarters in former Polish houses on the suburb of Oświęcim, which was situated on the left bank of the Solo River called Zasole. So the Poles were expelled from the entire area around the camp, and this, these houses were given to families of the SS officers. Some of them uh, lived here together with the wives, with the children, and if there was a a uh, large family, usually they would uh, expect to receive an entire house. While it was a case of the single assessment, such a house was uh, being divided into similar, uh, smaller apartments. Standard of life, of course, was, was higher. Wives of uh, assessment, they would receive from time to time some prisoners to do uh, some works in, in the houses, to paint the walls, for example. They usually also received uh, young Polish girls from the city of Oświęcim who uh, had to perform such works like cleaning, like washing dishes, cooking, taking care about the children and, and so on. The standard of life of the wives of the officers was relatively high. In 1943, the most of the SS men uh, in Auschwitz uh, lived in the newly opened complex of barracks in the front of the Birkenau camp. Uh, and again, the conditions were, were relatively good. The SS men had double-story beds, uh, the canteen, the gathering hall, the central heating installations and so on. So that might have been uh, perhaps the explanation of the particular cruel attitude of the SS men towards prisoners because they 
understood that they might have been selected and transferred to the combat units of, of the Waffen-SS fighting on the front line. That was, of course, dangerous because someone might be killed there. While in Auschwitz they were perfectly safe here until 1944 when the first bombings of them by Americans began. So they wished to gain the opinion of the most useful ones to avoid being sent to, 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 to the Eastern Front. Was there an internal system of awards and punishments within the SS structure? In many respects that was similar to the certain system that existed in the ordinary German army. The commander of the company or the battalion or in some more serious cases the commander of the concentration camp, they had many tools at their disposal. For example, the ban for leaving the barracks. In most cases, after the day of work, the SS men would go to the city, for example to drink some alcohol in the restaurants for Germans, to go to the cinema, to do some things until the curfew. If an SS man did something against the, the regulations or the orders, so he had to stay in the barracks for a couple of days or, or weeks. In some more serious cases, uh, they might be punished and be sent to the jail or the commandantur arrest, as it was called in, uh, in Auschwitz, uh, for seven days, uh, sometimes even more. And uh, in the most uh, serious uh, offenses were would be punished not by the commander of Auschwitz itself, but by the regional military court of the SS from Breslau, the with a branch of in, in Katowice. So in these cases, such uh, SS men would be sent to the um, penal camp uh, near Gdańsk, or even would end up in the punishment battalion of, uh, on, the, on the front line. There was a system of punishment inside the structure of the SS in Auschwitz, but it was also a system of rewards. The SS men would receive, for example, a few extra days of leave. Of course, SS men usually would receive the regular two weeks of leave. It was usually in the summer, then they would receive the few extra days to visit their family during Christmas and so on. But the most valuable for the SS men was the sort of extra uh, leave that was given by the commander for extraordinary well-done service. That might have been, for example, the case when the SS men, the guard, prevented the prisoner from escaping from the camp. Initially, that was the routine in Auschwitz. If a prisoner was killed while escaping by the SS men, so SS men would be mentioned in the official order of the commander, and he would receive three, five, or even more days of extra vacations. But after some time, Kurs began to understand that in many cases such escapes were actually provoked by the SS men, and that was done in order to receive this some extra days of leave. So later on, his only just mentioned in the, the orders that something like this happened. Then uh, the SS men would receive the military decorations uh, because from a formal point of view, the service in Auschwitz was treated by the authority of the SS as military service uh, on the front line. In the eyes, the combating uh, the enemies of, of the Reich in Auschwitz was equal to the um, fighting on the front line. And from time to time, SS men received the promotions to the higher rank. Some of them, during the entire stay in Auschwitz, were not promoted at all, while some other cases may observe some unexpected and quick careers.
For example, Vincent Schöttle, who came to Auschwitz with the rank of the private, he eventually was promoted to the function of the Lagerführer in, in, uh, in Malowitz. It's clear that the SS men were awarded for participating in the crime. The well-done duty means that they served well and they prevented escapes and they participated in special operations and so on. What were they punished for? Well, there are many usual, say, offenses uh, as it happened in the army. For example, when the SS man was found by the commanding officer while sleeping uh, on duty, for instance. That was a long report, for example, about the case of a SS man who fell asleep on the watching tower. He did not uh, woke up until the SS officer knocked to his helmet, for example. But in most cases, as we can see on the registers of such cases of offenses, that uh, where the stories about uh, the SS men who got drunk were found in the public places in the city or in the train station, and they, or they refused to being drunk simply to the orders of the commanders and, and, and so on. Practically, the vast majority of, of such cases resulted uh, in such incidents of uh, assessment being drunk. And that uh, confirmed some opinions by assessment themselves after the war, but also the, by the prisoners of concentration camps, that the question of drinking alcohol on a massive scale that was uh, one of the most uh, serious problems among the members of the staff. And I thought that that resulted from certain emotional psychological burden that, of course, was connected with the, the mass killing of people in, in the concentration camp. We mainly talk about the SS men in Auschwitz, but from March of 1942, when the female sector was created, there are also women in the camp that are involved in supervision over female prisoners. However, their status is different because they are not members of the SS. From the formal point of view, women who served in the Auschwitz were not members of the SS, but in practical terms the situation was not particularly different. They were military-like uniforms, they got pistols, they were subordinated in terms of, of disciplinary power to the commander of, of the concentration camp. But, of course, there were some differences. They stayed uh, apart from, from the barracks for the SS men in the so-called Stabsgebäude, in the headquarters building, that uh, they were directly uh, responsible to the women senior supervisor uh, or, or the, practically the uh, Lagerführer of the, of the women's camp. They had to perform the similar duties as was the case of, of, the, of the men, guards and, and outfits. First of all, to supervise the, the women prisoners inside the women's camp in Birkenau. But also they were going to work with commanders of women in different places around the camp. So they would receive in such cases some certain number of, of guards, as as men with, with, with the rifles that formed each time the sort of the small chain of sentries around the working places of the commando, but uh, direct supervision of the work of the women was uh, in their hands. So the scope of responsibility was similar and the cruelty, this criminal acts against the women prisoners was very, very similar uh, as it was in the case of the men's camp. During the trials of war criminals uh, from Auschwitz after the war, women supervisors were tried, were put before the tribunal along with the men and they received the similar penalties. 
from the formal point of view, for, for example, the uh, SS men were not allowed to visit the women's camp, except from some exceptions of SS doctors and the officer from the employment division. How many SS Auxerinen uh, were there in Auschwitz? Uh, approximately 200. They were in Birkenau camp and in some uh, sub-camps. They would receive higher salaries than, than it was the, the case of, of men. They were not officially included into the ranks of the, of the SS, but uh, if we would like to consider the status sort of, of uh, contract workers, namely they, they had to sign the contract with the SS and to accept the conditions. And for many young women, uh, the girls from rather low level of, uh, of the society, that uh, this kind of work was attractive somehow. Very challenging topic after the war is the issue of guilt and responsibility of the SS. What happened with them after the war? Unfortunately, when we talk about justice, we may add this little un in front of the, uh, this word, unjustice, because very few of the SS men ever uh, faced any kind of court. After the war, many uh, officers and soldiers of the SS from, from Auschwitz were arrested, particularly by the Western Allies. Why? Because the most of the members of the former SS garrison were transferred in January 1945. Uh, they escorted the, the, the prisoners during the death marches and then they were sent to perform their duties to other concentration camps then when they committed more crimes. And uh, these men, after the war, were tried by the British or by Americans, particularly for those uh, crimes committed in, in the other camps, uh, in Bergen-Belsen, in Dachau and so on. But of course, uh, during the procedures before the military courts, from time to time, of course, the question of mass killings in Auschwitz, participation of these particular officers in, in, in these killings in Auschwitz, could be here during the proceedings. Initially, both the Americans and the British took this very seriously, and many senior officers from Auschwitz, including leading figures, including the doctors, for instance, uh, were sentenced to death and executed. But when it was the case of uh, the mid-level of the echelon and the privates, uh, those as men in Auschwitz, uh, so in most cases, at least initially, the, the Western Allies tried to keep the, the certain uh, agreements uh, that uh, perpetrators who committed certain crimes on the territory of a certain country in Europe should be sent to the territory of this country. So on the basis of the agreements, more than 600 uh, SS men from Auschwitz were sent to Poland. Initially, there was an idea to organize the a uh, huge trial of all these members of the SS from Auschwitz in one single place, but from practical logistical reasons it was impossible. Most important um, uh, SS officers from Auschwitz were tried by the Supreme National Tribunal in Warsaw and in Krakow, including the two commanders of Auschwitz, Hus and Liebenhenschel, and many senior officers. In this particular case, uh, many of these officers received the uh, high sentences, they spent many years in prisons. But uh, that was a problem with those SS men who were put before the regional courts in Katowice, in Krakow, in Wadowice, and some other places, because there was a problem with the evidence, with the, the documents. Uh, there were very few uh, witnesses who remembered this particular SS man. So usually it was done in such a way that uh, it was a trial against uh, one leading SS man and his collaborators, let's say 10 of them. 
and they testified before the court. Of course, they did nothing wrong, that they were not involved, they just heard about the crematoria and had never heard about the gas chambers and so on and so on. And so on. Then there were some witnesses, survivors, who claimed that, well, I'm sorry, I am able to recognize this man, but I know that all the, the SS men in the office were the bad guys, committed many crimes and so on. And then the court usually used a certain formula that was adopted in Poland at this time. These people were punished because of the membership in the criminal organization called the Staff of KL Auschwitz. In this way, it was possible to sentence them for a year or two in prison. And after spending this time in the Polish jails, they were, they were released and, and could go back to Germany. However, we must remember that that happened only in Poland. Few such trials took place in Czechoslovakia. With the beginning of the Cold War, the situation in, in Germany has changed and uh, practically nobody in the 50s was interested in investigating the, the crimes committed in the concentration camps. And that was only after a decade when some leftist activists, but also honest lawyers, including Mr. Fritz Bauer, who was a chief prosecutor from Hessen, they began to alarm the society, German society, and the press, in the media, that the assassins are still among us that while walking down the street you still can find a, a man who probably was guilty of, of, of many crimes in concentration camps. So that resulted in initiating the uh, certain investigations. A central office for investigating uh, Nazi crimes was formed and that resulted in a series of trials in Frankfurt and Main at the beginning of the 60s. But the result was only partly satisfactory. Uh, because after so many years, the witnesses were, did not remember the mandate well, and this proceeding had to be uh, done in accordance with the rules of the German penal code. So that was very difficult, and uh, if in, at least in some cases the uh, sentences were high, many others were released or received only minor punishment. So, that was practiced in German court uh, for many years. Gradually, the number of SS men who were put before the tribunals become lower and lower, and uh, only recently there were some new attempts to investigate former members of the Auschwitz staff. However, assuming that the people now uh, may have 90 or even 100 years old, so that is practically, they may have more moral meaning that the practical one. All episodes of the On Auschwitz podcast are available at auschwitz.org slash podcasts. We kindly ask you to support our mission and share our podcast in social media. <laughs>